So as I said earlier in our service, we're going to be talking this morning about our connect culture and how we care for one another and how we do that in this church. So I'm going to get some people uh, to join me to help me with that this morning. But I just want to read this, this verse to you. This is John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I um, read once of a, of a pastor that read that verse to his congregation and then went and sat down because he had nothing else to say. Love one another. So this morning, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> In case you're wondering, I want to talk to you about how we love one another and how we can do it well and how we do do it or try to do it in this church. I'd like to talk to you about Connect Culture. Those of you that, that come downstairs, that spend time downstairs, have ever been to Connect Corner, there's this huge sign saying Connect. Um, and that kind of feeds into a culture that we like to have here at Plymouth Christian Centre, that Connect Culture, where everybody feels connected. And we want that Connect Culture to embody that verse that I've just read to you, that we are connected to one another and that we love one another. Now, this Connect Culture is made up of um, the staff team, the staff team that, that help us to be connected, that provide opportunities for us, that tell us about them. It's made up of the pastoral care team that some of you uh, will have met, that some of you will have been involved in. It's made up of community groups, activity groups. It's made up of ministry teams. And it's made up of you. You are part of this Connect Culture. You embody it. We embody this Connect Culture, this loving of one another. See, the idea is that everyone here at PCC, at Plymouth Christian Center, is connected at some level to someone else. You're not really connected in this church. You're not really loving one another. If you walk in, you say hi to somebody, how are you doing? They then lie to you and say, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and then you say, yeah, I'm fine too. And you lie back. And then you leave. That doesn't work. That's not loving one another. It has to be more than that. There has to be connection. And whether whether you're sat at the, at the desk at the back there, keeping this microphone working, whether you've just led us in worship, whether you're getting ready to do coffee at the end of the service, whether you're teaching our, our kids that go out in the morning, whether you're on the, the welcome team, welcoming everybody in, you are part of this connect culture, connecting to one another. We don't want people to just walk in and walk out. We want people to feel connected, and we want them to feel loved. If you hadn't noticed, this is a large church. It's easy to get lost. You know, we did this two people in two minutes just now. And I asked the fatal questions. I walked up to somebody who I didn't think I knew. And it introduced herself as Gillian. I said, oh, great to meet you, Gillian. How long have you been coming? She said, two years. <laughs> but there is the problem. This is a large church. And it's wonderful that we gather and we worship. But we need to do more than just turn up and worship. We need to be connected. So how? How do we do this? How do we ensure that we can remain connected, we can remain looked after, and that we can be cared for? Well, I want to start with the, the how, and I'm going to start with the pastoral care team. I'm going to ask um, the core team, I'm going to ask Dave to come up. He's not expecting this, but I really want to honor Dave. We would like to honor Dave this morning. So Dave, could you just come up? And I'm going to ask Emma and Julia to come and join me. So if you've been coming to this church for a long time, You've probably known Dave for a long time, because Dave's been here for a long time. <laughs> and Dave's been doing pastoral care for a long time. But the, the time has come where they thought, I'm old enough now to take my stabilizers off, and I'm going to look after pastoral care. But can you just give Dave a hand? Just a minute, please. <laughs> so. <laughs> So if you're, if you're new to church, and there's a lot of you, if you've been here in the last year or two, no doubt you'll have had a couple of phone calls, emails, cards uh, from David, um, because he cares, because he really cares, and he's brilliant at pastoral care, and we want to thank him uh, for that service. So have you, I haven't got long, yes. but have you got a nugget that you would give us about pastoral care? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going well. I I just think I like, I like people. Yes. <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I just think I like people and uh, everybody's special. I like to yeah. think we're all special, yeah. you know, to, to God and to one another. Yeah, and absolutely. we just uh, do our best to make people feel at home and make people feel appreciated and needed. Yeah, yeah well, you've certainly done don't that, though. We always do that. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't get it right all the time, yeah, but we do yeah. our best. But yeah, I just wanted to yeah. thank you for for what you've done for so many years, for working so, and you still do it. Dave's not stopping, yeah. he still does it. He still visits people. There'll be people here that know. You've probably seen Dave this week. He's always out visiting people. Well, right. Well, I ring people up. Um, Emma has a great system of reminding me uh, <laughs> who is fairly new, <laughs> and I o o often forget, so she helps me out. And I ring people up, and then when I see you on Sunday, people thank me for the phone call, and I look at you and I think, have I really rang you this week? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, it's great. It's, it's, it, and, 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 and it's wonderful to be in such a, a great crowd of people, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much for that. I'll pass that on to Julia. And I'll... So... This is Julia and this is Emma, um, and the, the three of us are, are what we would call the core team of the pastoral care team. So anything we hear about, anything that's passed into us, we try to put into action looking after other people. But I'm going to be talking a lot this morning, so I'm going to hand over to Emma and let her explain to you kind of what our roles are and what we do. Lovely. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I just want to add that um, Dave is very much our wise owl as well when it comes to pastoral care. So, uh, so we come to you a lot, Dave, don't we? And ask you questions and the benefits of your years of wisdom and service. And uh, it's a real, <laughs> and it's a real honor to continue to serve pastorally with you. And, you know, you and I uh, helped try and get people connected in church and um, you've taught me a lot. So thank you, Dave. Um, so the church has changed quite a lot as they do over the years and organically we've grown um, we've got a lot of people coming along you know I look at all these faces here today and when we were over the Easter weekend I think there were 800 adults that came through the doors to various events so that's a lot of people to look out for and um, there is no way practically that Jeff David and Paul and Paul McDowell as well of MIT can actually look after that volume of people. In days gone by, it was expected that the pastor would look out and know about everybody's individual lives, but um, with that number of people, it's just not possible. So a few years ago, as the mantle was handed over from David to Paul, Julia and Paul and myself got together and um, thought we need to have some kind of system or process in place to help us um, to care for the family here at Plymouth Christian Centre. So, as Paul said, we have our core team here. So, I am also the church administrator, and I have the privilege of answering the telephones and receiving incoming messages. Um, Paul is the head of the pastoral care team, as our pastor, and Julia, you are very much on the ground, aren't you? <laughs> People facing. So, between the three of us, um, we work together very closely. We meet weekly. We pray together. We pray for you guys. We pray for those in need. And, um, and we seek the Lord on his wisdom, as well as Dave's, to tell us how we need to respond. So, um, the contacting of the pastoral care team. So if you are aware of somebody that you're concerned about, maybe somebody that you realize has been missing for a couple of weeks, um, and you think, you know, I don't know how to get hold of them, but they always sit there, because we always sit in the same seats. We always sit there, but I haven't seen them. I don't really know their name, but then, you know, let us know. Absolutely let us know. We're always happy to hear. If you have a concern about somebody, we'd much rather hear it three or four times um, than not at all. So uh, don't assume that we know because we're kind of relying on you guys to tell us when something's amiss and if somebody needs some extra help. But what we do find is when we hear of somebody being in hospital or needing some extra support, what we generally find is that as we get in touch with them, that they have a community group that are wrapping around them. They have a group of friends, maybe a connect group, a coffee club, or a happy feet walking group, or the football group, or whatever, that actually are looking out for them, and that they have good friends. And we would call this church care. So this is one of our layers of care. This is the bit that we're all responsible for. This is the bit that we all take part in. And then we also have our um, pastoral care team. So maybe if those that are here today would like to come up because we'd like to introduce you to them. 
Yep. <laughs> so um, if you're here today and you're part of the pastoral care team, if you could come up, that would be great. And these are our pastoral care team. These are people who have a heart particularly to serve in a pastoral way. And when your messages come in and you say that you're um, concerned about somebody or you want to look after somebody or that you're not sure how to respond, then we would meet together, we would triage, a bit like they do at A&E, um, and we would think about the gift sets of these guys here and try and match you up with them so that they can support you. So, Paul, I'm going to pass back to you so that you can introduce these lovely people. Sure. So, when I asked you guys if you wanted to say anything, the, the general feeling was no. Is all right? So, so I'm going to introduce you. So, so starting on, on this end, this is, this is Mike. This is Mike, who's a re retired GP, is that right? No, retired physician. We'll go with physician, re retired physician. This is Margaret, Margaret Carpenter. This is Jenny Lee. I don't know if any of you know her, but this is Jenny. Uh, this is Julia, uh, as you said, and this is Steve. Uh, we are, there's some people that can't be here this morning. Some of them are, are coming this evening, but there are a few more. We've got Ruth Smith, and we've got Karen Grimshaw. And, and Dave obviously meets with us. Brian and Anna. And Brian and, and, Brian and Anna Martin that, that serve on the, the team as a couple. Um, so we just really wanted to introduce you to these guys and, and thank them. Uh, but also so you can see who it is that, that will be caring for you if that time comes when you need someone to just walk alongside you and to help get through uh, tough times which never to become. So I just want to thank you guys for, for you putting your foot forward and saying, you know what, yes, I will, I will do that. I will care for people. And like Dave said, it's because we love people and these guys love people and they're ready to love you. So thank you very much, guys. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, that's right. We can do that. Thank you. So, so how do we... Julie's going to stay with me because I wanted to talk about fourth generation in a moment because Karen's not here. Um, but yeah, Emma's just said about contacting. If you want to, to contact the office, you can call the office. And if it's out of hours, you can leave a message. And that, that email, it generates an email and will go to the pastoral care team or one of the team. Um, you can also email directly to care at plymouthchristiancenter.org. And that will go to Emma. Um, and she will then, uh, again, meet with us, inform us, and, and we will act on that very soon. If it's something that's, that's a real emergency, um, and we've ha we have had a few over the years of real, real life and death emergencies, and believe me, the way the church works, kinda, it happens very, very quickly, that, that information flow. Um, but that's how you can contact uh, the church. If, um, if you don't know, if you've forgotten any of those numbers and, and you're in crisis, reach out to someone, your community group leader or someone you know at church, and that network generally works. But we'll talk about it. We're trying to grow that network more and more. One of the, the aspects of pastoral care team, one of the things we've done, uh, one of the areas we've looked at in church is the fourth generation. Um, and I'm going to ask Julia to, to explain that to us and to talk about the cream tea that's coming up. Is that okay? Thank you. Yeah, so, and, and just so that everybody knows that when we talk about fourth generation, it means um, the age of retirement and beyond. But as you know, that all becomes a bit um, smudged sometimes because some retire early and some work a lot later um, than 65 or something. So it's generally the older generation in the church. Now, what can happen sometimes is that this set, this um, group of people can be left out or feel like they're not attached to the church anymore for a number of reasons. It might be that they can't get here as often as they used to. It might be that they are now in a care home and so are unable to get here. Um, but even, um, you know, even just people getting older struggle with different things maybe, but they're part of the church here and we need to be caring for them anyway. And so what, we, what Karen and I have really endeavored to do is set up something called the gift of years. And it's, it's making sure that people don't slip through the net. So if they're in a care home, that they stay connected. So that whether we arrange um, or organize with somebody to sort of go and befriend them and make sure that they're um, cared for in that way. Um, we can go and have communion with somebody. We can go and have a sing-song with somebody. But it's, it's made us link into the care homes in, in Plymouth as well so that... The, the care homes themselves are very aware that when somebody comes from PCC um, um, into their care home, that we are still going to reach out and still include them and um, very much love and care for them there. And in the church too, there are a number of people that are not here this morning because they're not well enough, they're feeling very frail. 
So we mustn't forget them because they're part of the family here. And so we're finding lots of different ways to, so that they stay connected. So it's a bit of a mission and we've not got it all done and sorted yet, but it's something that we've really got on our heart to grow. And this coming Saturday, when it's the coronation um, Saturday, um, we're going to put on a, an indoor street party um, at half past 10, ready to watch the service at 11 o'clock, plus having a few games and singing hymns and just having something really good to eat together. Um, for all of those people that, that are in that age bracket. Now, I'm not going to restrict it to that because if, if you are on your own this coming Saturday, you are included. We don't want people to be on their own. We don't want people to feel lonely and left out and on the edge. All right, so if you are of the fourth generation age, this Saturday, you are very welcome to come and join us for, for this um, lunchtime um, street party. But if you're gonna be on your own and you're feeling like you just want to get connected, please come along, all right? There is a place for you. And this is what we're about. It's about including everybody. And sometimes the children are well, in, are well catered for in church. Sometimes us middleies are, you know, um, catered for in community groups. But we don't want to forget. We want to honour the older generation. Um, it's a lifetime commitment that we're in, in the family of God. So we want to include everybody. And that's what we're passionate about. And we're just working through the process of how to get this thing up on the, you know, up on the thing and rolling so yeah that's brilliant thank you julia so yeah yeah give a round thank you very much for that so just to remind you again that'll be half past 10 uh, this saturday so if you want to take julia up on that invitation please um go to connect corner uh, and let them know um part of we've just talked about this this care um that david headed it up now i'm kind of heading up with a with a core team of three of us then a, a wider team of pastoral care team members that that want to look after you. But there's also another level, which is church care. We're all called to love one another. We're all called to care for one another. We're all called to look out for one another. And one of the, the great ways we can do that is through community groups um, and activity groups. And I just want to talk you through those briefly before I ask Emma to come and share her experience of, of how community group and church have cared for her. But activity groups on our website, there's something we launched as part of the, this connect culture. And it's where we can have fun. Did you know that as a Christian, you're allowed to have fun? Yeah, you are. You're allowed to have fun. We have lots of activity groups. And I'm going to invite shortly people to, to generate some more. But we have things from coffee group that, that meet once a month. And guess what? They drink coffee. Um, we have football every Monday night, which is really well attended. Um, it's a fantastic place to mix um, guys and girls, I must say. If you want to come and play football uh, on a Monday night. Um, we have a book club that runs uh, weekly, I think it is. In fact, we're going to put some slides up, if that's right, and I'm going to show you some of these. So if you go onto our website, onto the main page, um, you can see the menu there. If you go to Connect, this is what we're talking about, Connect Culture, look at that drop-down menu, and you can see the top one there is activity groups, and the next one is community groups. So if you were to click on activity groups, you would see this next uh, slide. So there are some pictures that, that kind of show you what the activity group is like. It gives you the details of when it meets, who leads it, um, when the next one's going to be. Um, that's just a slide, but there, there are many more uh, of those groups. If you want to be connected, if you want to be part of a group, if you want to have some, some fun with people outside of church, because we have fun here too, um, then sign up for one of those activity groups. Kirsty Collins does um, uh, an art class, an art group, like a craft group. They're meeting here in the church. And she's been, we don't expect activity group leaders to give pastoral care. That's not essentially what it's about. But what they do is provide this place where you can meet and you can have friendships and you can build relationships together. And then when someone's missing or someone's ill, we know about it. You can pass it on or, or you can help. But there's lots of activity groups uh, on the website. So please um, take a look at that. And then the next thing I want to look at is community groups. So if you go to that same page and then the drop down and you go to community groups, this is what you'll see. At the top of the page is a map. Now if you see those, those 10 dots, those are the 10 community groups we've got that have got room in at the moment to accept other people and I'll, I'll come to that uh, in a moment but there are more groups but they're not on there if um, if they're already full but if you were to scroll down you'd see this page you'd, you'd see this 
And these are the community groups listed. And again, it's the night that they meet, it's, it's where they meet, um, and who it is that leads the group. And you can go on there and have a look at a community group and whether you'd like to join one or not. We've got a huge, I'll come on to this in a moment, we've got a lot of people wanting to join a group, trying to match them with groups. Um, it's a challenge, but it, activity groups and community groups especially play a huge part in church care, in looking out for one another. So if you imagine me, Emma, and Julia trying to keep tabs on, as we said, up to 700, 800 people, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. But if we've got 400 people looking out for the other 400 people, it's very possible. Um, and the best way we can do that is in groups. But I'll come on to, to appealing for those um, in a moment. But I'm going to ask Emma to come up and share her experience of what it is to be cared for by a community group and what happens when the church wrap around and care. So thank you, Emma. Hi again. <laughs> so uh, my husband, Carl, and I um, have the absolute honor to be parents to three wonderful children. And many of you will know our family. So we have Tom, who's 24, Abby, who's 17, and James, who went home to be with the Lord last July, aged 21, after a long and very hard battle with cancer. So um, he went home. <laughs> three words. And I don't think those three words can really even begin to explain the devastation that our lives were left in after he went. We didn't doubt where James had gone or that he was okay but the loss and the chasm that was left behind was just like nothing I've ever experienced that valley experience that darkness that deep fog that descended just how disorientating it was um I can't even put it into words it's just yeah just so difficult really really difficult everything had changed it's been rather humbling being on the receiving end of pastoral care. I'd always much rather be the person supporting somebody else. But when you're on the receiving end, when you're really vulnerable and when you're really weak and you've, you just don't know what to do, it's really difficult. But really, what could anyone do to help us? What we wanted was James back. But what could anyone do to help well, God was in it, <laughs> and, um, and practically, he brought people around us. Um, some people did meals for us, sent messages, shared photos, memories, um, sent cards, gave us books or worship songs, links to worship songs. Um, people helped out when it was James's celebration service. Um, my, my brain was like mush and uh, being the church administrator it meant I had to take some time out and that meant some gaps were left um, like with rotors and the practicalities of church but do you know what the church family just stepped in just filled those gaps it was just incredible just absolutely incredible collectively our family would have been a really heavy burden for any one person to support but God, in his goodness, brought lots of people around us. Um, so each person came and did their bit. And it was like a, a blanket, like a patchwork blanket. We were praying ahead of this service, weren't we? And I've gone off piste a little bit. But we were praying about this service. And we just um, were praying over the congregation on Tuesday when the pastoral care team met. And we just had this picture of a blanket of love just descending down on this congregation. And it felt like there was a great patchwork blanket that was being wrapped around our shoulders during this last nine months since James left us. And, um, and each patch and each stitch was so important and perfectly designed by God. It was like a bespoke blanket, perfectly designed um, with each of you representing one of those stitches. So there's no quick fix to grief. You let us cry. You cried with us. Um, you let me talk a lot. Um, there were lots of coffees and lots of dog walks. And I apologize now. I've become a bit of a gusher. I was always quite filtered before, but I've become a bit of a gusher with no filter. So if I've said anything, overshared, sorry. And, um, and I'm really thankful that you let me get that awful feeling of loss that was inside to the outside because that was all part of the recovery. You helped me to understand that there was no answers and you pointed me back to Jesus all the time. 
you prayed over all of us. And the, and the sense of peace that can only come from the Lord has been given to us. So one of the things I do remember is people, or one of the things I've always felt difficult about is dealing with people and feeling like I might not have the words. But I just want to encourage you that even when you don't have the words, that's fine. Sometimes no words are better than actual words. <laughs> and um, I remember coming into church one morning, and it must have been in the early weeks after James had passed away, and we, we snuck into the balcony, and we snuck back out again. But as we sat there, Mary Gillam was about three seats along from me, and all she did was leant over, squeezed my hand, and when I looked up, she had tears rolling down her face. There were no words, but I knew that she was loving on me in that moment. It was just so powerful. It's a simple gesture sometimes. It doesn't have to be a massive thing. It can be just a small gesture, just a message, just a note. I have to say, there were some humdingers too, and um, that was our opportunity to show grace to other people as well. So, um, yeah. And, uh, and also, if I'm being abrupt, or if I'm, I couldn't talk, or you said hello to me, and maybe I was a bit off with you, then I'm really sorry, because... My heart was hurting so much that I just couldn't talk. You've shown us how to live life again. You've just loved on us. And it's just been the most incredible, from community groups to happy feet, to people we've just loosely known in the congregation. You've just rallied around us. And I want to say a massive thank you for that. There are no quick fixes to this process, and I think we will still continue to learn to live every day without James in our life. But like with you guys around, it's going to be easier. You're going to make it easier. So what is pastoral care that I've learned about in these last nine months? Well, I've discovered that pastoral care, pastoral care isn't counseling. It's about love. It's about listening. It's mostly about listening. It's about acting out of genuine love and affection. It's asking someone how they are and being ready for a genuine response. It's about recognizing that each of us actually aren't qualified for pastoral care and only Jesus is and we need to rely on him so that we can provide pastoral care. So during dedications, we often say it takes a village to raise a child, but I think that it takes friends, family, and a church to live out a good Christian life through the ups and the downs. But I also want to encourage you, because a lot of people looked on in this, a lot of people saw all the things that you were doing to support our family, and, um, and they commented on it. And I was just reminded of the Bible verse in Matthew 5.16, which says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So people noticed this circumstance was like a signpost to the Lord. People saw the goodness of God, even in tragedy, and you were part of that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Emma. I'm going to need my notes. Got my notes. That's all right. Thank you. As good as my memory is, it's not that good. Thank you, Emma. What a wonderful example of the church wrapping around, of church care, of, of caring, of loving one another. And as Emma said at the end, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's an attractive thing. When you love one another, people are attracted to it. So how are we going to do this, this growing church? I want to make an appeal, a short appeal for activity group leaders. Perhaps you're new to church, there's something you do, something you love, you play football. We've got a foosball activity group, table football. Anybody good at table football? No? Okay. Well, <laughs> I used to live it anyway. There are lots of different activity groups. Um, and the more activity groups we've got, the more friendships, the more connections that we generate just having fun. So if there's something you do, even if it's a bit quirky, you think, oh, I don't know if anybody like that, you don't know. You don't know. So put it forward and, let, and let's see what happens. So if there's something you, you would like to, um, to put forward as an activity group, then put your name down at Connect Corner. See me if you can pin me down long enough or send an email to care at or to, to paul at plymouthchristiancenter.org. And we'd love to, um, 
to explore that journey. Then community group leaders. This is a, this is a real big one. Um, we have got uh, 10 or 13 community groups, I think, uh, at the moment in church. And we like to think 10 or 12 people is the average number that you would have in a community group. So that is about, what is that, 130, 150 people if we're lucky? And as we've said, there's regularly 400 adults in the building, and lots of them want community groups. Well, there's, there's just not enough community groups to go around. Some of them are, are bending and, and stretching at the seams to, to get more people in, but it's just not practical. So I'm asking you, if you've come from another church, for good reason, if you've come from another church, or you used to be a community group leader and you've not done it for a while, or perhaps you're, you're sat in a group, and there are groups like this, where you've got three or four leaders in the group that, that could lead another one. I'm asking you to think this morning, even if you just have a little tug on your heart now, I think, God, maybe this might be talking to me. He's talking to me. Could you facilitate a group? Could you lead a group again? Could you lead another 10 or 12 people? Could you help to care for another 10 or 12 people? Once a fortnight. So I'm asking you to think about that, and I'm going to ask again next week. So you'll have time to think about it, but I'm asking you to think, could you do that? The other thing I'll say to you is, you don't have to lead it alone. Ask yourself, who could I lead a group with? What couple could I lead a group with? What friend have I got that I could lead a group with that I'm not doing on my own? Though can we do it together? We can lean on one another. Perhaps there's other people. The other, the other thing I want to say is you could host it or you could lead it. The group that I go to, we, we host it. I don't lead the group, but we host it. It meets in our home, but other people come in and they lead the group. So if you're sat thinking, well, my front room only fits five people, I can't do that, but I'd love to lead a group, put your name forward. Because there may well be someone here that says, I've got a big house, I've got a big front room, I've got a big flat. I could host a group, but I don't really want to lead one. I'm asking you to get involved in whichever way that you can, because there are people that want community. There are people that want to be connected, that need to be cared for. So I'm just asking you that appeal. So please um, put your name forward, come and see me, or email in, and I'll be making this appeal, short appeal again next, next week. So before I, I head into a, a short message, very short message with us, I want to ask you, give you a challenge. You know, sometimes we leave church, don't we? And I know none of you do this, but I used to sometimes come out and think, God, wish it wasn't all that, was it? Why did they sing that song? Why did we sing three hymns? Why do we do that? But I've grown to love them, I have to say. But I'm talking about all these things that happened in church. I want to set you a challenge. Perhaps when you go home today, or when you go home next week and the week after that, is to talk to your family, talk to your friends, or when you get home, talk, oh, I met so-and-so this week. I met a new person in church this week. We've got a lady this morning all the way from Ethiopia. Is that all right? All the way from Ethiopia. I wonder how many of you will meet her before you leave this morning. I wonder if your conversation will change as you leave church now, about the new people that you met. Did you know that so-and-so came from here? Have you ever met? Change the conversation. It's not about what we get from church. It's what we bring to it and what we bring to other people. We need, i just show these couple of slides. The reason we need, um, the reason we need system in church, it's a dirty word for some people in church, systems, administration, they don't like it. But the bigger a church gets, the more you need it. I'm going to talk about Moses in a moment. But this is what it looks like. When you have a good system, when you have a good trellis, there is room for growth. There's room for even growth. Everybody gets the sunlight. Everybody gets exposed to what they need to when they have a good trellis and a good system. But if you don't have a good system, if you don't have a, um, an intentional way of looking after people, this is what can happen. There is no trellis. And so you let things grow. You let it be organic. Oh, just let it grow. Just let it grow. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll get to everybody in the end. But this is what happens. It collapses and people don't get cared for and they don't get exposed to the light. They don't get exposed to love and care. So we do need systems. So I want to draw your attention to the story in Exodus 18 that explains why we do what we do, why we have a core team, a pastoral care team, a wider team, community groups, and it might seem that it's all systems and administration but they did it thousands of years ago. It's nothing new. Moses, when he was looking at Israel, as it was growing, numbers were growing, they were getting huge, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it was Moses' father-in-law that came to him with this wisdom and said to him, Moses, why are you dealing with all these people? He said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. 
you lone pastor trying to deal with everybody. It's not good. It won't work. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, for one person. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And he goes on to say you need to break people down into groups. You still care for them, you still love them, but you need to break them down into groups and have leaders of those groups to look after those people. It says, have them serve serve as judges or leaders for the people at all times, but then have them bring every difficult case to you. So when it gets tough, come to the pastoral care team. If you think it's beyond you, if you think you need more help, come and ask for it. There is always people available, but we can't do everything on our own. The simple cases, they can decide for themselves. That will make you a little lighter because they will share it with you. This system of groups, this system of sharing the load is very old. It's nothing new. And as Israel grew, as churches grow, we need this system. And it's, it's very biblical. There's always someone that's the leader. There's always someone in Pastor Jeff that provides the vision, that provides the leadership, that provides the teaching. This is where we're going. But then it needs the rest of us to help one another on that journey. We need to help one another. And community groups is one of those wonderful ways of doing that. I just want to read to you from, from this devotional that I've got, but I read it just this last week, and it was so, I thought it was really profound, about, um, about love and showing people love in a, in a place where there's lots of people. A sociologist was writing a study on, a parenting, on parenting, and they interviewed a mother of 13 children. Can you imagine that? 13 children. The interviewer asked, do you think all your children deserve full impartial love the mother replied of course then trying to catch her out the interviewer said which do you love the most have your kids ever asked you that (laughs) the mother asked or sorry the mother answered the one who is sick until he gets well the one who is away until he gets home it's when we are sick in sin and far from God that God loved us most that he was most occupied with us went out of his way to save us sometimes we need a bit more don't we sometimes we need a bit more care emma needed a lot more care and the church wrapped around her those of us that didn't need so much wrapped around her it's the people that need our care the most it's the ones that we wrap around and then when we help them walk through that journey and it may never be over but we help them walk through that journey but our eyes are always on looking after the next person we always need to be available to love as many as we can then we read in Acts 6. So if you've got your, your Bibles with you, in Acts 6, 1 to 7. This is where they picked Stephen, the apostle, uh, or sorry, the, Stephen to lead the pastoral care team of the day. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews along with their, among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There was two kind of factions within the Jews, and they were saying, some of us are not being cared for, we're not being looked after. So the 12 gathered, and they said, we need to get some people to do this. We need to find some people to do this, because we need to concentrate on preaching and prayer. They wanted to lead the people in preaching and prayer. Their concern was with advancing the kingdom. Their concern was with preaching the gospel in areas where people had not heard it. That's what we've got to do. But similarly, just as important, love the Lord your God for your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But their role was to preach the gospel. Their role was to teach the people. Their role was to lead people and to move them. But they realized people needed day-to-day care. And some people weren't getting it. So they employed these seven men with steel. I won't read, read all their names, but Stephen, who was martyred. And what qualified Stephen? He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he loved God. Full of the Holy Spirit, and he loved God. If you have the God of, Spirit of God within you, you're compelled to love others, especially other Christians. You're compelled to love them. It's, it's in you. And Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. So again, we have this system where there are leaders that needed to look at the bigger picture, that needed to look at preaching and the advancement of the kingdom, the, the gospel and the telling of it, but also the people that they loved needed care. And so they created this first pastoral care team, of which we, we've looked at today. So I want to ask you this morning, pastoral care team, who's on it? Turn to your neighbor and say, who's on the pastoral care team? I'm not asking you to remember their names, but I'm going to ask you this question, or tell you. 
turn to the other side, turn to your other neighbor and say, you are. You're on the pastoral care team. Just like you are on the welcome team, you're on the pastoral care team. Our role is to love one another, to look out for one another. So I go back to this commandment, moving on quickly. What time are we on? Yeah, we're doing okay, just. I want to read this command to you again. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We need to love one another. And I want to read you this scripture from 1 John chapter 4. It's 15 to 21. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We need to show people Jesus and the love of Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Jesus doesn't ask us to love people from cold. He showed us love. He showed us love and he asked us to show others that love. See, in order to love well, we must be loved well. To love other people well, you must be loved well. It's a cyclic circle that if we love one another well, we will be loved well and we will continue to love others well. Jesus loved us well. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now must is one of those words that says you have to do it. You have to do it. In law, in health and safety law, must is a You've got to do it. There's no option here. There's no way out. You must do it. What Jesus is saying here is that you must love your brother and sister. If you love me like you say you do, and you allow me to love you, you must love your brother and sister. It's not an option. It's not an add-on. It's not a discipleship kind of, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's the starting point that we love one another. We must love one another. I want to talk to you about Jesus' compassion briefly. John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Jesus' cousin had just been beheaded. And his disciples came to him. In whichever gospel you read, it was Jesus' disciples or John's disciples came to Jesus and told him what had happened. Jesus, your cousin has just been brutally murdered. He's had his head removed and paraded on a platter. And we've just been to correct, collect his body. How do you think Jesus was feeling at that moment? Pretty distraught. Pretty upset. Pretty anguished probably in need of an arm around his shoulder, probably in need of some care. Jesus was very upset. And what did he do? He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. We read the same story in Mark. On hearing this, John's disciples came to him. On hearing this, yeah, John's disciples came to him and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. This was at the same time. So having just heard about his cousin and the manner of his death, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus needed his rest and he needed to be with God at that moment. Jesus needed God. His cousin had just been brutally murdered and he needed something. Who did he go to? He went to God. God was the one that would minister to him. God was the one that would heal his heart. God was the one that would help him through this. But what is our role in that? What were the disciples' role perhaps in that? Was They didn't realize that then, but us now, we point one another to God. We don't just go, there's God, go and see him and sort it out. We walk with people. We take their hand. We put our arm around them and we take them to Jesus and say, you know, I can't always do this. I haven't got the answers, but I know one that has, and I will walk with you, and I will pray for you, and I won't give up on you, 
until you receive what you need from God. So sometimes we don't feel like giving out pastoral care. Dave says this morning he loves people. I love people. But there's times in my life, in all of our lives, when things get tough, when they get hard, and you know, maybe I don't always feel like it. I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like visiting someone. I don't feel like dealing with that problem. But where did Jesus get that from? His cousin had just been brutally murdered, and the next thing we read is he took compassion on the people in front of him. So my cousin's just died. He's had his head chopped off. But the next thing we read, he's taking compassion on people. How did that happen? Because he withdrew and he spent time with the Father. So I want to ask you, if, if you think, I haven't got the energy for pastoral care. I work all week. I haven't got the energy to look after people. If someone's missing, I just, oh, I just got the energy. Go and ask God for it. Go and ask God for more love. Go and ask God for more compassion. Go and retire like Jesus did. Go and retreat into a place and say, God, I need you. You want me to love my fellow Christians. You want me to really love them, which is a verb, which is a doing verb. I have to do this. But sometimes I don't feel like it. I'm struggling. Will you help me? God, give me your compassion. Give me your love. Download your Holy Spirit into me. I know what you've called me to do, and I want to do it. Jesus withdrew, and he went with the Father. I want to ask you this morning, what if, I'm coming into close very shortly, what if, as well as good teaching and preaching, this church was known for its radical love for one another? What if they, instead of saying, oh, that PCC is a big church, that's busy. They love each other at that church. They really love one another at that church. What if, as well as wonderful worship, this church was known for its extravagant welcome? Whenever you go there, you feel like you belong. They really love on you. What if people said about this church, it's so wonderful. They just love one another well. Just can't help but go in there. They just love each other so much. What if we all bought into and helped create a culture where at this church, everyone feels connected and everyone feels loved. It still haunts me. A guy called Simon used to come to this church. And I would speak to him as often as I could, but I would often see him sat on his own with a cup of coffee and nobody around him. And slowly Simon drifted out of the church. And it still, it still haunts me to this day that that could happen. So if we love one another, if we bought into this connect culture, if we really believed that we are a family and that we're going to love one another, we'd actually be being obedient to Jesus' new commandment to love one another. I was just going to read you this story before my final point. Pastor Judd Wilhite shares the story of a church member named Cody Huff in his book, Uncensored Grace. Before Cody became a member at Central Christian Church in Las Vegas. He was sleeping in an open field next to the church. But at one time, Cody was making loads of money as a famous bass pro fisherman who had even been featured on ESPN. Yet he couldn't overcome his problem with drugs. He began a crack addiction that led him to smoke up to $600,000 worth of savings. His house, his Harley Davidson, and his new boat. He smoked away everything he had and ended up homeless. A man who had eaten at fine restaurants and interacted with celebrities had bottomed out and was now homeless. But God would turn his life around, and it all started with the mercy of a church volunteer. I'm sorry, I've never read this story and not cried, so bear with me. Some people from the church's homeless ministry were handing out sandwiches in the park where Cody slept, and they told him he could get a shower at Central Christian Church. The last place Cody wanted to go was a church. But he hadn't bathed in so long that even the other homeless men couldn't stand his smell anymore. Cody explained what happened next. I walked into the church and this lady named Michelle, who knew me from the homeless ministry, said, Good morning, Cody. How are you? Then she looked at me and said, Cody, you need a hug. And I said... Honey, you don't want to touch me because I haven't had a shower in three months. If Michelle heard me, she didn't seem to care. She walked up, she looked into my eyes and she gave me a big hug and told me that Jesus loved me. In that split second, I was somebody. She even remembered my name. That was the point where I knew that God was alive in this world. Over the next several weeks, Cody's life began to be restored 
he gave his life to Christ. He started leading a Bible study in the park for other homeless people. That was over three years ago, Judd says. Now he's married, and he and his wife serve faithfully in our homeless ministry every weekend. He has his own business. From ashes, God raised him up to use him as an instrument. And it started with a hug. I'm remembering somebody's name. It looks like this. I think this is what it looks like. I think when we present ourselves as Jesus, when we love one another, when we, when we promise to be with one another, when we promise to look out for one another, to love one another, to, to not ignore people when they come into church. I've got to take this off. When we're interested in people and we actually care about them, this is what it looks like, I think. Hey, Josh, what are you struggling with at the moment? Are you struggling with anything? Oh, man, that's a big problem. You know what? We need to help you with that. Come here. Give me a hug, man. You know what? I really love you, brother. And I haven't really got all the answers for you. The paint on your shirt, but, but I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to pray with you. And we're going to sort this out. Come on, man. God bless you. I'll catch up with you soon. You can go that way. Hey, Sam. So you've lost your job. Oh, man, that's rough. That is bad. You know what? We've got some people at the church that are good with finance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up with them, but I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to check in with you week by week and make sure that you're okay. And if you, if you need anything, let me know because there's people at the church, I'm sure, would love to help you out, you know? We're going to love on you, mate, and we're going to make this okay. Come on. You can do this. We're going to be with you. Hey, Joseph, how are you doing? You support Sunderland, don't you? Yeah. We can help you with that. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's always one. I love you, man. Okay? Despite the crisis you're going through, we're going to help you. Okay? I promise you. This is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus looks like. He takes our burdens on himself. We can bear one another's burdens. The Bible tells us to do that. It tells us to be kind to one another, to be hospitable to one another. Tells us to bear one another's burdens, which means, listen, don't carry them, but listen and help people with it. And where do we take them? We take them to Jesus. That we can't do this, we can't look like this on our own, but as a church, every one of us that makes one of these people that are in trouble, as a church, we can look like this. And believe it or not, this is very, very attractive to the world because they are in need of love. And we as a church can show it to them. Let's pray. Let's stand. Father God, you have called us to love one another. You have commanded us to love one another. Lord, I ask that we would leave this place with a heartbeat in our chest that beats to the rhythm of your love. I pray that we wouldn't walk past someone in church when we see them alone. I pray that you would put a love in our hearts for one another that we've not experienced before. Lord, I pray that you do increase the love that we have for one another. I pray, Lord, as Emma talked about that blanket, Lord, would this blanket of love fall on this church, this church that is growing and growing and growing. If we want it to grow more, let it be because people see the love in this place, not because it's a lovely building, not because we have wonderful musicians, we have a great leader. We have so many groups. We have such a wonderful children's ministry. Lord, let it be because we love one another. Let people talk about this church because of its love, first and foremost. And I pray, Lord, that it starts in each and every one of our hearts this morning. Every one of us will want to love one another like you have loved us first. We love because you first loved us. Lord, increase that love in us. Pour your Holy Spirit onto us. Give us that supernatural love for others that the world doesn't have, the world that ignores, the world that turns their head, the world that closes its eyes. Don't let us be like that, Lord. Let us walk with open eyes, open hearts, open arms, open wallets. Lord, let us love one another. Let us be attractive to this world because of your love in us. Help us to look like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.